Welcome to News Over Brews, the only podcast that breaks down the best of this week's pop culture over a nice cold beer. Sponsored by PopBreak.com. I am your host and moderator, Al Manorino. On this week's episode, we break down the best, worst, and what surprised us about this year's Super Bowl. Welcome back to News Over Brews. I'm your host, moderator, and part-time archaeologist, Al Manorino. With me, as always, is my two friends who, regretfully, I'm friends with. Lucas Jones. Usually, I'm the part-time archaeologist. And Ryan DeMarco. Stephen Hawking and a goldfish because you are terrible. You can't remember anything and you're retarded. Ryan, behave yourself because we have guests in the house. Oh, we have a guest? We do have a guest. Oh. Did you not introduce yourself? I introduced myself. I didn't introduce a guest. Dude, we talked about this last time. Oh my god. It's not all about you. Please. We have guests. Can you not do this here? It's all about that yeah, base, man. Introduce the guest. We'll talk about this afterwards. Okay, so uh, the uh, the guest this week is good friend Emily Waller. Emily, how you doing? I'm I'm good. Hi, I know that I sound like I'm three. I'm 22. Promise. We made we made her say <laughs> that. We, we checked uh, we checked two forms of identification, um, and also a third, which we won't reveal publicly. Uh, she is in fact yes. 22. Um, we cut her open, and she has rings like a tree. I, that was my uh, damn joke, Lucas. Damn it. Yeah, well, you got to be faster than that pace. I can't do yeah. it over this. What happens when you do phone. one joke a year, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so basically this whole episode is going to be about the Super Bowl, that big sporting event that happened uh, last Sunday. And, you know, usually we do a lot of – we do a mixture of pop culture, television, film, movies, music. I already said film. Television, film, music. Oh my god, this beer has already got me going. So yeah, so before we get into any of the any of the Super Bowl topics, <laughs> Lucas, what the hell did you give us? In short, I've given you something that most mortal men don't get to experience. I've given you not only a pathway, but a shortcut to a state of enlightenment that many men spend their entire lifetime searching for and failing to find. Al, Ryan, Emily, today I have given you Bourbon County. I know. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We're uh-huh. not worthy. We're <laughs> not worthy. Uh, so Goose Island every year makes um, Bourbon County Stout. Uh, they make a Bourbon County Stout. They make a barley wine and they make a bunch of variants with like vanilla and coffee and oatmeal and a bunch of other shit. Um, unfortunately, because we live in Jersey and not Chicago, we can't get the variants. But we did get the 2014 Bourbon County Stout. Uh, I actually got six bottles, and I drank most of them. But I brought the rest that I didn't drink uh, to share with <laughs> friends, because a beer like this is best shared with good friends um, in a house that is properly insulated, because it's freaking cold outside. Um, Emily, uh, before I start the review, your glass is empty, so why don't you go ahead and pour yourself some more. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So, 2014 Bourbon County. I have to admit this is the first year that I've had Bourbon County brand stout. Um, so I have nothing to compare it to except every beer that I've ever had. And every beer that I've ever had <laughs> falls quite short, I think. Um, I'll say this much. It is really, really good. It is, like, 
boozy, but not overly so. It is sweet, yet bitter, yet roasted, and slightly earthy. It's just, uh, there's like so much going on. I will first, as is slowly becoming tradition, um, let Al, Ryan, and our special guest describe it first. So, uh, Emily? I know. Uh, ladies first. Okay. Now, I have to warn you before you start, is that we've tried to have women on the show before. And oh, no. and every every time we've had a woman on the show, um, something awful's happened. Um, one time we lost the audio files. Second time the audio files were corrupted. The third time, the Ryan girl got chopped off. The the girl actually <laughs> disappeared in a flash of green smoke, and left nothing but a small green globule on the couch. That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding uh, about the first two. Uh, so, <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and describe uh, Bourbon County for us? So this is like the darkest beer that I've ever seen. It tastes wonderful. If you breathe out through your nose, as Lucas suggested before, it tastes like hard alcohol. It, uh, it's just amazing. Um, it, I mean, it tastes like bourbon. It's oak aged. Is that what you said? It's just great. I need to stop stuttering. Um, one thing about this beer that I really like, I don't normally like stouts. Um, a lot of times they'll taste like soy sauce. This does not. I know that sounds really silly. It's actually not silly. That's a common complaint uh, from a few friends of mine that stouts taste like soy sauce. So you're not too far off. Oh, so um, this does not. It's amazing. It tastes wonderful. It smells kind of like soy sauce, but everything else is not that way. Um is great. It is also 14% alcohol. Is that what you said? 138 That is... I'm drunk. <laughs> I thought you were pouring me Jack Daniels at the point. Uh, it's incredibly dark. Um, when you taste it, it hits you like no other beer has ever hit anyone before. The flavor the roastiness, but at the same time, it's almost like like our our guest said, it's like hard alcohol. And that, I mean, obviously that's part of the percentage because it was aged in a uh, bourbon barrel. But, I mean, I, I never want to stop drinking it, ever. It is so, so good. Actually, let me get another sip. It's like it's smooth and then it just hits you and you know you're drinking something that is going to just fuck you up <laughs> beyond repair. <laughs> I mean, Ryan's drinking one by himself. We're splitting two of them. You know, even between the three of us, this will get us a little tipsy. Ryan, on the other hand, I don't think he's going to know his name in about 20 minutes. 10. Give Speaking of which, Ryan. Where to begin? Seriously, this thing belongs like inside the engine of a car. This thing is like as black as night. But um, having said that, uh, a monster stout has monster flavors, and that's pretty much what I'm getting with this. I am like so in love with this. It's my first bourbon bo- uh, bourbon uh, bourbon bounty bourbon county experience, and um, I gotta say I love it. Uh, I love the whole. I was getting like a mocha kind of aroma from it, um, like a slight possible like. 
That's what I was getting. Maybe it's from the glass I'm drinking. Um, but uh, you know, I, I was getting like uh, like the the aroma with the um, undertones of kind of, kind of like the bourbon, the undertones of the whiskey, the low carbonation. It, it was just uh, getting the trace of oak in there too. It was just it, this thing was hitting me with so many like so many different like like just just um, like feels. I I, I really. I really don't know where to pinpoint like half the stuff. I, I do notice that it is better in in sips than like in, in larger gulps, if that makes any sense to any of you. Um, but overall, this was certainly worth the wait. Me and Lucas have had these for I'd say what like three months, probably two three months. And go ahead, you can answer. Well, no, I mean I, I've this is this is like my fifth bottle. Yeah, I know, but overall, like, we started getting them at the at the store. Oh well, yeah, we've started hoarding them, but I've been drinking them this whole yeah. time. So, <laughs> I'm also I have to say, like, a big fan of that whole like uh, the mellow like vanilla scent in the background, which is which is actually like a driving force for me because I love vanilla, and um, oh my god, this is just so good, and I have an entire bottle to myself while you guys have to split that over there through via space phone wherever you guys are however you guys are talking to me uh i love this to death lucas go ahead show us up use your brainy knowledge on beer tell us what you think well so uh, a couple of tips for this beer um you're going to want to serve it about 55 degrees um if you want to chill it in the fridge and then let it warm uh while you're drinking it i highly recommend pouring it in about a four ounce pour in a snifter style glass or a whiskey style glass because that does two things. One, it controls the, the amount you drink. Because it's a really high alcohol beer. And like Ryan said, it's better in sips. But um, yeah. a smaller serving size also allows the beer to warm in your hand. Um, and as we all know, warming a beer kind of lets out some of the subtler scents and flavors. Um, so yeah, so you're getting like vanilla. You're getting oak. You're getting like sweetness and just booze and just everything that's good in life. What is best in life? Bourbon County Stout. Uh, as far as any other kind of pairing, uh, this is definitely something that I would have as a dessert after dinner. Don't don't screw with this. Don't try to pair it with anything. I mean, you can. You can pair it with steak. I had a bottle one night with a ribeye steak and some sautéed mushrooms that I like sautéed in steak fat, and it was freaking delicious. Um but if you're giving this to people who have never had this before, I would honestly try to give it to them after dinner or on its own. Hey, Lucas, it's just that good. Lucas, uh, let's say I want to pair this with my homework I have to do. What do you think? Um, as long as your homework can be done while you're bombed out of your mind, um, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know I'll be grading papers um, at some point this week, and I'll probably have another one of these. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Bourbon County, I, gosh, I think the only thing keeping me from giving it a 10 is there's this slight issue I have with the finish. Slightly cloying. Um, Emily's laughing at me. Cloying. Cloying. So, it, it, like... You know... Yeah, yeah, it kind of just feels like it's, you know, like you have a fountain soda and the, the syrup mixture is too high in the ratio. There's too much, 
there's too much syrup to <laughs> seltzer. Thank you, Al. And you kind of get that like kind of. And let me. T- I'm gonna make the sound, and it's just. Yeah. Cloying. But I think that's okay because it's such a high alcohol beer, and it's supposed to be served in small amounts. Um, but I think that's the only th- only thing keeping it from being perfect. But that's just a symptom of the, the high like what kind of a beer it is so i'll go ahead and give it a 9.5 i mean just a phenomenal beer and i'll be aging definitely i think i'll be aging um a few of these and i'm going to try to do a three-year vertical so stick around for 2016 when we uh when we do a three-year bourbon vertical (laughs) that should be fun well because this is the 2014 beer then we buy the 2015 beer and then we buy the 2016 beer which would be a three-year vertical one Al- plus one plus one is three. <laughs> Al, please don't, um, please don't interrupt the podcast. I will explain so all these to you soon. You have your own microphone. Um, I should probably. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Final thoughts. Uh, this is great. I just keep saying dumb stuff, so I'm sorry. Maybe one of those ladies that just gets lost in the internet universe. It's really high alcohol. I, I had beer before. Too much beer at this point. Lots of beer. It, you know, it. if you are one of those people who thinks that stouts taste like soy sauce, smell like soy sauce, like, it's not like that. It's very different. Um, I wouldn't warm it the way Lucas said, because as it gets warmer, I'm getting more of that soy sauce vibe, but it's really like if you like bourbon it's it's very hard alcohol e e a number i would say ooh um so i'm not a stout person i would say like an 8.8 i don't know where that comes from but i feel i feel a very hard 8.8 I want to get some sushi and dip the sushi in this bourbon gowney. I, I mean, everyone keeps saying soy sauce. I understand where they're going, but I would take this with anything. This is so good. I mean, this is what beers ought to be. All, all stouts should be this. At the same time, if all stouts were like this. We'd be drunk most of the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are drunk most of the time. Oh, God. Hope you're listening, future kids. <laughs> Slash work, whoever we work for. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this a solid, solid 9.5 out of 10. It is, it is what stouts ought to be. This is how you make a stout right here. Right. Uh yeah, this this just uh this is the American dream right here in a glass. Uh I had another thing in a glass before, but I wasn't allowed to say it. But um this is the opposite of that. This is wonderful. This is actually uh you can't beat it. Uh I would give this a 9.5 only because I know that there's other bourbon stouts out there and 
this is my first, and I don't want to say that this one's perfect because I'm because I know that there's probably better ones out there. But this is Ryan. This is this is your first bourbon stout. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. We have some homework to do. I do. I would like to do homework. I think I think as <laughs> as the teacher in the group, I think I should assign some homework. Yes. To the rest of the class. Travel to Ohio. Where you want? What's the homework? Ohio. Who's going to Ohio? Me. For some reason, I don't know. I'm talking stupid already. I have half this glass. Illinois. Done. Shut your mouth. Shut your face. Um, so nine point five. <laughs> I think my my last thought is that Emily and Al should finish this bottle because I have to drive. Um, so you guys should finish the rest of what's in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the support. Um, I drove you here. Show some respect. Um, you also so, had like two or three bottles by yourself. So being uh, the one currently holding the microphone, why don't we go ahead and switch things up a little bit um, and go ahead and introduce our next you're topic. The, the Shut up. You're the host. Uh, we'll go ahead and introduce you're our next topic. You're not the host topic. when you're yeah, talking to me. All right. Lucas, good try. Thank you, as always. I, I have to <laughs> s- thank you for the beer review. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, Lucas, that was a fantastic beer review. You were a uh, god amongst men. Any complaint? Complaint. Any compliment that I say? Goddamn Bourbon County. I'm already fucking drunk. Okay. Let's get into the crux of the matter. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Now, we can talk about a lot of things about the Super Bowl. Mostly uh, the game itself. Seattle Seahawks against the New England Patriots. We can talk about a horrible, horrible last-minute play call from the Seattle Seahawks. And then we can talk about the commercials. Um, I'm going to say let's talk about the Super Bowl as a whole. We can even talk about uh, another pop culture aspect of it, the halftime show. So we had Katy Perry uh, do the halftime show. Uh, No one wanted her to do it. Uh, I don't even think anyone asked. I think she just did it. Um, but surprisingly, it really wasn't bad. We had, uh, two guest stars. There's always usually guest stars. Um, she had Lenny Kravitz for one part, uh, one part of it. And then, uh, she brought up Missy Elliott. Uh, she took her from the early 2000s. What year is it? She brought, she actually went back in time to 2002, brought Missy Elliott to the Super Bowl of 2000. Yeah, I thought that was very uh, nice of Katy Perry to go to that particular Gap store and hire Missy Elliott from that Gap store and yeah. bring her back to the halftime show. That was really nice. Completely of her, accurate. It's so um, nice for her to bring new talent back. Mainly because she only dresses in all jean clothing. Yeah. And she belongs in the Gap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're keeping that. Keeping it in. Uh, yeah, so uh, what did you guys think of... We'll just start pretty much what do you think of segments. What did you think of uh, the halftime show compared to, and also, what is your favorite halftime show of all time, if you actually remember? Well, uh, as far as the halftime show goes, it uh, it wasn't Slayer. It wasn't Slayer. But as far as things that aren't Slayer go, um, it wasn't Slayer. I mean... Dude, they they record everything beforehand. It's not. A, I mean, her vocals were done live, and that was impressive, thoroughly impressive. That she was able to pull off her costume changes and all of her crazy dance moves and ride the more you know star while still singing all her songs extremely well. She rode the more you know star. Uh, a, 
and a giant <laughs> Power Ranger uh, uh, Megazord. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. That was awesome. Um, and she danced with a couple sharks. She did. She danced. Well, she danced with one shark, and then one shark decided to dance on his own. Yeah, left um, shark. Left shark. <laughs> who is who is taking over the internet? By the way, um, the, I mean the halftime show was pretty good. It, it was. It's nice. It was a, a chance for me to crack open another beer and like fill up my plate with some more food. Unless the thing is, to me, the halftime show is weird because they like get these people who aren't the demographic. Like they they. Dep- Pending. I mean, yeah. There is no universal artist that they can just do and, like, everyone is like... Taylor Swift. That's true. Never mind. Your argument is invalid. Sorry, I love her. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> everyone does. <laughs> exactly. She's amazing. Honestly, let's let's not talk about the Super Bowl. And just talk about Taylor Let's Swift? talk about Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> love it. Loving her new single right uh, now. So we'll do a new Style. segment called Love It, Love It, and Love It. The Taylor Swift. The Taylor Swift segment. <laughs> yes, we can do a whole Taylor Swift podcast. We'll have to save that, but we're gonna stay with the Super Bowl theme. We love you. Yeah, Taylor what Swift. we'll do is we'll look at our schedule and we'll create like a blank space, and then we'll write and we'll write her in. name in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have a joke to tell you later. Okay. Well, not a joke, but I have a story to tell you. Okay. Regardless. So. <laughs> and someone's drunk. So it's Emily. Emily's drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the girl. Right while you're over there, uh, hey. what did you think of the halftime show? Uh, I could care less of it, honestly. I didn't think it was that good. I <laughs> honestly, it was like so bland and just so tasteless. I thought it was just so boring. It was just boring. It was just it was so boring. Like it was, the more you know, star the dancing goofy ass shark, and and how quickly she can get undressed. That was the cool things I picked up from the halftime show. Other than that, Missy Elliott. And who's that? Lenny Kravitz, the guy from the Hunter Ga- uh, Hunger Games. I could care less about all of those people. Seriously, it was so boring. It gave me it gave me about two seconds to go to the bathroom. Like I I, I don't know. It, it could have been better. You know, I, I mean, I don't have high expectations for the Super Bowl. I mean, the halftime show. The um, but it was nothing special. I didn't really. I thought it was really, really, really could have been a lot better. Yeah, you know what's funny too is like um, there was all the costume changes, there was you know the elaborate stages, there was the giant mechanical tiger. How did they reuse that, by the way? But that's uh, besides the point. Um, you know, you had all these different things, and then you compare it to last year's Super Bowl uh, with Bruno Mars, and it was very, you know, like calm, but so entertaining. Like he's really like puts on a show. It was pretty much the opposite. It was a, it was a horrible yeah, game. It was like she was good like halftime flash, show. But like it really didn't spark my interest. Like when a shark dancing is the best part about it. The sharks in the palm trees. The, sh- the yeah, best part of I the know. entire when, halftime when a, show. When a dancing or not dancing shark is the best part of the Super Bowl halftime show, then you got a problem. The problem is that you're in the entire time thinking about the fact that the shark and the palm tree have been dancing their entire lives. They are professional dancers, and they're bopping around in costumes. Yeah. Apparently, apparently the one about. shark is, like, a gorgeous human being, too. Gorgeous, like, supermodel, dancer, yeah. talented human being bopping <laughs> around in a shark costume. suit. Oh, my God. If you I were left shark, I would be dancing on my own, too. I still think the greatest halftime show in my generation was that all-star one where they had, like, NSYNC and Aerosmith and Nelly and, like, they had, like, every single 
person that it was big in music at the time all together. That was the best halftime show. What were you going to say? What were you going to say? Springsteen. No! What? When was that? No, he did a crotch slide into somebody's face. Yeah. No! <laughs> that was yeah. my face. Springsteen <laughs> brought down the house. The only band on the face of the earth that could do a better halftime show than Bruce Springsteen is Metallica. You're so New Jersey, it's disgusting. Go home. I am home. I'm in Jersey. No! <laughs> Metallica would have the most universally hated halftime show. Not yeah. Because it's, the complete, like it. it's not the demographic. Uh, I'm the demographic. No, you're not. <laughs> you're absolutely not. We've we've proven time and time no, again dude, listen, you're not the demographic. What three songs does Metallica always play every time they go on a show? Enter uh, Sandman, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and One. And one. Everybody loves those songs. Yeah, but it's like it's like very depressing going into the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, the Super Bowl is depressing. That is true. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about that depressing ending. So, we might may have seen with the Super Bowl on Sunday the worst play call in organized sports history. Probably not the worst. Second, well, not, not the worst. Second and one. Memory. Second and one. 30 seconds left, two timeouts. Well, can I can I give you the reasoning behind? Can I can I can I explain? Can I can I explain it to the fans who maybe have yeah, not sure. seen the Super Bowl? So um the Patriots were leading. I am trying to remember the exact scoring, but I know the pa- Patriots were leading 28-24. 28-24. Thank you, Lucas. And Seattle threw this phenomenal bomb pass that was caught magically on the ground. Mm-hmm. They eventually get to the one-yard line. It's second and one. There's 30 seconds left, and they have two timeouts. I think it was more any than 30 seconds. But... normal person, any normal coach, a fucking fan could have done it, would say that you have the one of the best running backs in the game, Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch, Biscuits and Gravy. <laughs> You run it. You run the ball. Or at least throw, like, do an option. Throw a screen pass to the opposite side. You don't throw a pass, like, a lob down the middle. Well, so the reasoning behind that is is that they wanted to, they didn't, if they run on second down and they don't get the ball and they have to call a timeout, they only have one timeout, by the way. But, but no, they had two timeouts. Even if they had one timeout. Well, so here's the thing. They had one timeout left, if I remember correctly. Um, the reasoning was that they, with the amount of timeouts they had left, if they ran the ball and called a timeout, then they would have to Then they would have to throw the ball on third down. They'd be forced into a throwing situation because if they run the ball again, they wouldn't have enough time to reset and get another playoff. I still don't agree with the call. You have three chances to get in the end but zone. But not enough time. It's the last game of the three year, seconds. Brett. You can't hold anything back now. That's right. <laughs> so I no, I don't. You're you're mistaking this. I don't agree with the call. I I was surprised when I saw them when I saw him drop back for a pass. I was I was completely surprised. But even if you drop back for a pass, that is the worst place to throw it. Oh, over the middle. It was horrible. Yeah, it was a bad call. I will I I will it's say a Super Bowl. Say this though, is that and I, and I think I speak for my entire knob crew and guest, um, knob plus one when I say. Um, Three knobs and a baby. That probably was the most depressing thing about the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. Because the most depressing thing about the Super Bowl was the commercials. Oh. Oh, wait. So we're just, we're going to, 
Just skip over Seattle's well, crushing defeat. Well, because, I mean, what, what are we going to talk about? That's true. Like, it was a bad, they, bad they call sh- and they lost. That they should have. Patriots won. That Pete Carroll should not have even entered the locker room. They should have fired him before him. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I think Pete Carroll's necessarily covering for his offensive coordinator. But, you know, at this point, it's neither here nor there. They've already lost the game. Russell Wilson got a haircut. It's over. All right. So, Super Bowl commercials. Now, I want to say... This is a complete guess number right here. Mm-hmm. I want to say 90% of the people who watch the Super Bowl are watching because of the commercials. Probably. Okay. See? Now, usually... usually yeah. one, now, w- now, wait. Why? Why was I watching because no, of the no, commercials? No, no, no. Yeah, why do you watch the Super Bowl for the commercials? Usually. So, the sport is interesting. I'm not really that... Like, I'm a fan of football. I'll watch. I get excited. I don't have a team, I think is the biggest reason. Mm-hmm. The commercials are supposed to be really exciting, really interesting, really, you know, words that I can't make come out of my mouth right now. Happens. That's, that's, the, that's the Bourbon County. It's the Bourbon County stuff. Um, basically, what you're trying to say is you usually watch the Super Bowl because of the commercials because they're usually really entertaining and they're the best commercials of the year. They're the best commercials of the year. They're also, like... They have sort of interesting meanings that are behind them. Yes. They kind of create chaos. They're usually very creative. They're yeah. usually very entertaining. Uh, you know, they they put they pour so much money into these commercials that, that you're expecting the best ones ever. The best show of the year, and it's like 60 seconds long. Exactly. Why not watch it? So, the, I'm, I'm not going to say this is the worst year of commercials ever. But because... Was bad. It was really bad. But because of, I think... What a part of it is is social media, and our generation of like wanting things instant, has kind of ruined the Super Bowl and commercials because all of the commercials, like a good majority of them, appeared online days before. Yeah. You know, that's very it's irritating, um, and I think I, I mean I this is speaking for myself. I thought some of the most entertaining ones were uh, the Breaking Bad insurance commercial with Walter White. I thought that was awesome. I like the uh, the Liam Neeson commercial. Clash of Clans. Not for Liam Neeson. I can't remember who it was for. Clash of Clans. Clash of Clans. There's a Pierce, Pierce Brosnan clans. one. Clash of Clans. That was entirely for Pierce Brosnan, though, I think. The, yeah. The, oh, and the um, the Katie Couric, Brian Gumble, the Discovering the Internet one. That was pretty funny. The one that drove me crazy. I mean, there's a few that drove me crazy. Kim Kardashian. Did you like that one or didn't like no, that No, I, I, I don't like her as a... As, as an idea. I don't know her as a human. I don't like her as an idea. As an abstract concept. That was one of those that ones was that was gross. <laughs> that's one of those ones that was that appeared online early. And um yeah, but like I said, there was there was a, a couple good ones. But then there were some really bad ones. And then there were some really depressing ones. Like crazy depressing, right, Luke? Oh yeah. No, they oh, shoved the microphone in my face. Um yeah, no, there were some really depressing ones. Uh, there was the one about the dead kids uh, from Nationwide Life Insurance. Like, buy life insurance because your kids are going to drown in the bathtub. I was going to watch that commercial, but I died. <laughs> but I died. <laughs> um, there was, uh, oh gosh. Oh, there was the sad puppy one, the Budweiser one with the dog. Oh, yeah. Where the dog, like, gets lost and then, like, spends, is, like, homeless in a box in the rain and then almost gets eaten by a wolf. Uh, that was pretty sad and a little emotionally scarred. just do horse commercials. Yeah. Um, 
then the yeah there was like the the like a girl commercial which i thought was kind of whatever um even the trailers were terrible at the terminator genesis trailer was pretty cool i didn't see it was it a good trailer it was, it was, it was, it was a good, was a good trailer, trailer. Our resident Terminator expert, our resident Arnold Schwarzenegger expert, Ryan. <laughs> right? How was the Terminator trailer? Uh, in a, in a mic, in a macro, oh, micro, micro version of trailer talk. A micro version. Of it. Uh, it was good. It was um, well. Anything that comes out of with Arnold in it is going to be amazing. Obviously, remember last year they had the Bud Light commercial with Arnold. That was that was pretty cool. Um, remember that 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 was pretty good. Uh, Terminator looks promising. Um, hopefully not so CGI heavy, but uh, yeah, I liked it. That was a nice little break. Thank you for that. Yeah, the the commercials were just so bad this year. It was just like they just weren't good. There was I can count like in, on one hand how many commercials like I was like oh that that was okay. Like none of them made me laugh. Like, like okay, the Brian Gumble Katie Carrick one was was actually I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I thought that was the, actually probably the best one of the night. I, I'm I'm recording myself in stereo right now um, because I have something very very important to say. If there's one commercial that annoyed me, bugged me, uh, nay, even slightly miffed me, I was miffed. And for those of you who know me, I don't get miffed very easily. I've been miffed maybe three times in my life. Yeah. Um, it was the Budweiser commercial. Everybody's talking about the Budweiser craft beer commercial. Um, you know, it was a commercial that basically said Budweiser is a proud macro beer. It is meant to be drank, not fussed over. They included a nice little video of, of what I can only assume to be your stereotypical Portland hipster sniffing a beer. Um, can someone take one of these microphones? This is really annoying. Oh my god, I want to. <laughs> um, and it was, you know what? It, it, it annoyed me. And annoyed me for several reasons, and some of those reasons it also annoyed Emily. So Emily, go ahead. My face has been getting more and more scrunched up, you know like what? I've been scouring. Go ahead. The you entire have the floor. time that you've been talking. So, oh god, I forgot what I was going to say. The this commercial. So what we were talking about before, and Emily and you know, is, is very drunk on Bourbon County. So you have to excuse her a little bit. Um, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so what we were talking about before was that, you know, it's one thing to be proud to be a macro beer. And to be honest, well, so to be honest, the, the actual science of making beer on a macro scale and having it be a consistent product is actually pretty impressive and a testament to their, le- their high standards of cleanliness and sanitation. Let's get that out of the way. Um, but, you know, nuclear power plants also have high standards of sanitation. It doesn't mean I'm going to drink the waste that comes out of them. Um, you know, there's a time and place. We've said it before on the show. There's a time and place for every beer. There's a time and place for Bud Miller Coors Light. There's a time and place for Budweiser Coors Original. Fine. Um, but the other thing that annoyed me was the hypocrisy, <coughs> which is what Emily wanted to talk about. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, so... Budweiser has been buying up these craft breweries that this Seattle hipster mustachioed guy is sniffing that are, you know, not to be fussed. Like, Budweiser's not to be fussed over, but the beer that this hipster is fussing over is the the pumpkin peach 
to be particular, yeah. to be exact, the one that they highlighted, they own that. Budweiser yeah. owns the pumpkin peach beer. Yeah, beer. so AB, AB InBev is a conglomerate that owns Budweiser as well as a bunch of other brands that you might not be aware of. I know they own Modelo, so they own Corona also. Um, and they've been buying up smaller craft breweries. One of the breweries they just bought was Elysian Brewing. Um, some of the founders of Elysian were not happy about the sale, but they were overruled and, and the brewery was sold. And Elysian is the one that makes that pumpkin peach ale. Don't drink that pumpkin peach ale because it might be nuclear waste. <laughs> um, so I think the hypocrisy was what bothered, I think, myself and judging by Emily's slightly... Face. My face is just crunched elevated, up. It's gross. Yeah, elevated like and redness commercial levels in her face. gross. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing that I thought about that, too, was... Budweiser is correct. Budweiser is not a beer to be fussed over. It's not. <laughs> when someone brings a 30-pack of Budweiser or Bud Light to a party, we know, what's, face. we know what's happening. We're getting drunk. We're not going to no, enjoy it. You can't get drunk off Bud Light and Budweiser. Not in a good way. <laughs> um, you know, And you know what? To be completely honest, some people really like Budweiser, and that's fine to each their own personal preference. But, you know, if you want to brand your beer as proudly macro and not to be fussed over it's a you know it's a bold move cotton let's see if it pays off uh ryan (laughs) what's your take on this the way i the way i see it is they're kind of saying well they're kind of making a statement towards craft beer i think too they're making a, a, a statement towards the newer generation and how we how we do dissect and you know there's hidden flavors and there's more, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of like, hey, listen, we've been around for ages. Um, everybody, you know, the older ages, the older generation drinks us. You know what to expect from us. We're a giant. Uh, we're not going to change, obviously. We are who we are. I think that's a song. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're making a big statement. They're saying, you know, in a way, they, if you look at it differently, they could be saying, hey, listen – uh, we're better than craft beer, in a way. Like we, you know, we we are this and simple, and we are universal, and you know, it's it is a bold thing. They're saying, listen, cut the shit. <laughs> you know what we are. It's it's a simple exchange. You drink us, you get drunk. It's a simple flavor. You know, it's how it goes. Uh, it's. It's kind of like they're just telling something, telling us what we already know, and it it is kind of funny that they are making that statement. Like like, you know, I, I guess companies like to they like to maybe pretend that they're something that they're not, but you know, Budweiser isn't that. It's interesting. I you know, it's certainly certainly an interesting take. It's, I didn't expect them to say that, but that that that's what I that's the view I got from that. Al, I want to ask you really quickly as the the last person. Uh, who hasn't responded yet is that you know and it's a good point that ryan makes about um saying that you know you know what we are we know what we are let's not like make no bones about it this is this is what we do yet at the same time they're buying up all these craft breweries so on the one hand, as as Emily is hissing in the corner, um, you have you have Budweiser who's saying we're proud to be macro, we're proud to be the beer that everybody knows, while they're buying up their their parent corporations buying up all these different craft breweries. They're both a contradiction, 
and at the same time they're businessmen because they want to in the commercial their marketing team is basically saying like what you're saying we're proud to be what we are you know we're you know we're what you expect we are but at the same time they're saying don't drink them stop being a snob drink us be a normal person and then on the other hand they're also buying up the competition because they don't want competition because it's a free market and because of because of how business is run nowadays it's 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 you evolve or die you know budweiser has been a staple in in beer and in you know american culture forever but because of the growing popularity in craft beer they can't escape it they can make offshoots of you know different types of budweiser but at the end of the day it's still gonna have the budweiser name and that's actually kind of interesting because i uh, sorry to cut you off i remember a, lo- a while back we posted something saying is it's a chart we posted it said you know uh for like years budweiser was out selling craft craft beer as a whole by the barrel and then recently craft beer is now out selling budweiser by the barrel yeah, absolutely so. right. Another thing, though, is that Budweiser will buy out these companies and then not use the same ingredients that have been used before. So, as Lucas has pointed out, the chemical, like the the fake chemical flavors, are being added where they weren't before. You know who has been bought out by AB InBev? Goose Island. No. Bourbon Sorry. County Stout made by Goose Island has been bought out by AB InBev. So we might be drinking the best bourbon stout that there will ever be. You know, and and that's also interesting, too. So as much as we kind of shit on AB InBev and Budweiser for buying, and, and it's true, there are instances and, and well-documented instances of AB InBev not only cutting um, ingredients and quality of the beer, but also slashing employment and, and gutting these companies full of their employees and replace them with their own employees in the sake of for the sake of profit um you know on the other hand there have been instances where they let these breweries kind of still do their own thing they let kind of they let goose island kind of do their own thing hopefully they let elysian brewing do their own thing but you know it's something that we should definitely be on the lookout for i think i think at the end of the day you can still drink goose island beer and elysian beer and you know what if you like Bud, Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, drink it. We we always say, drink what you love, drink what you enjoy. That's the whole point of drinking. It should be something you enjoy. So if you enjoy lagers, you enjoy pilsners, you enjoy the blackest of black bourbon stouts, um, go for it. But uh, you know, here at News Over Brews, we generally try to explore. So. You know, maybe at the end of the day, we can kind of take away that you should always be exploring not just what beers taste like, but who makes beers and like what kind of association those breweries have. This may get edited out and that's totally fine. I hope that it does kind of. Um, But a lot of the beers that you see that are eye level, that are advertised the most, are owned by these major corporations so it's like 
rolling rock, Budweiser, Bud Light, Corona, a lot of beers that you like wouldn't even expect to be owned by these big companies are owned by these big companies. Um, and when you buy a beer from these big companies, it does take away from the craft beer movement. It does take away from what you as the consumer want in your beverage belittled by these big companies who want to cut costs so that they can make more money. So that's something to think about when you are purchasing your beer. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, these these guys, they're, they're pilsners, they're light beers. You know, Miller, like, for example, Miller Lite is brewed as, like, a true pilsner. There are a ton, ton of pilsners. I think uh, Victory makes Prima Pils, which is delicious. Dogfish makes a great pilsner that has like notes of pear and apricot oh, in it. Oh, that's so good! I love that. Yeah. So if it, you know, if you're a Miller Light drinker, a Bud Light drinker, a Coors Light drinker, you know, pilsners, go go check out some other pilsners. You might be surprised at what you find. If you don't like it, you know what? Feel free to go back. We obviously won't think any less of you. You're just drinking what you enjoy. But uh, I to wrap up the commercial bit, I thought it was an interesting piece of marketing on AB InBev's part, um, and entirely deceptive and disingenuous, but great marketing. Yeah, you're, they're, they're throwing themselves under the bus to make a point. But the thing is, is that nobody realizes they're throwing themselves under the bus. So really, it, they're just making a point. You know, on the one hand, they're saying, they're reinforcing their Budweiser demographic by saying, yeah, you should be proud to drink Budweiser. Don't let these craft beer snobs fool you. But on the other hand, they know they're pissing off craft beer snobs who are going to go now and drink their Goose Islands and their Elysians. I saw that and I was like, pumpkin peach? That sounds great. Fuck you, Budweiser. Turns out. Budweiser owns them. And, you know, still sounds interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But. And it, and another way too is like uh, if you can't beat them, join them too. That I guess that's like a good business tactic that Bud, Budweiser is doing exactly. Like they know that this isn't just a phase that's going to dwindle away. They realize it's getting bigger, so they're just kind of just, just sucking up as much of the competition as they can. Exactly. Um, I don't know. Does anybody have any final thoughts on the on the the Budweiser commercial? I'm just thinking of the Monopoly guy. This <laughs> monocle. Do not pass go. Well, it looks like that's it for us today. Tonight. I'm ending the show. I'm going to do it. It looks like that's it for us tonight on News Over Brews. We would like to thank, as always, um, Ryan DeMarco for his participation, as well as the host, Al Manorino. Al is doing something important, and I still have a microphone. And we would like to give a very special thanks to our good friend, Emily, sitting to my right, um, who has been so gracious to lend us her apartment and her cinnamon rolls. Oh, I'm so excited for those. Which we're really excited for. Uh, um, and your taste buds and your, your, t- your time reactions to things. So we would love to have you on again. You just let us know. Uh, Thank you so much, Lucas Jones, for trying to do that uh, outro. I was building towards something really nice. There you were. And you ruined it. I know. Go Uh, ahead. Do the thing. That's going to wrap it up for another episode of News Over Brews. 
I'm Al Manorino, and I'm so excited to eat a cinnamon roll. I'm Lucas Jones, and I'm also excited to eat a cinnamon roll that Emily has just been nice enough to give to me. I'm Emily, and I'm already eating a cinnamon roll. Fuck you, Ryan. I don't even know you, but fuck you. I'm I'm hurt. And stop eating the goddamn cinnamon rolls. You guys are all looking at me while eating cinnamon rolls right now, and I have just my hand to eat. Al, I'm sorry. I, call, I was I was gonna apologize for calling you Stephen Hawking before, but I'm not now 